0: more pastoral walk-up music this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. Good morning. Glad that you are here. Love looking out and seeing all your beautiful faces. Thank you for taking the time to come here. If you're out there online catching us, thank you for taking some time whenever it is, middle of the night, you can't sleep or whenever it is. Uh, if it's live, just thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to us That you chose to spend some time with us here today. If you're new here, an extra special shout out to you because I know it can be awkward or weird to be new in a new place and try and figure out what they're doing and how they're doing it. So Pastor Gabe and I will be around and our staff will be around after service if you want to chat and catch up. And if we have any questions, we'd be happy to answer those things for you. Um, so we're going to get into our message. Before I do, I want to thank Pastor Gabe. Special shout-out to her for teaching last weekend. Did she do a good job? I think she did a great job. I love her heart for, to make sure that everybody understands the word and kind of has the same passion for it that she does. Just shines through everything that she says. So I, I love that. Um, I don't know if that's me. Sorry if that's me making all that noise. Um, we're going to get into the message. Now, if, if you're like me, if you're out there online, um, if, I, if it was me out there, I'd be right now getting my coffee or I'd be pushing the pillows aside or I'd be getting my chair set, set or adjusting the thermostat. Whatever it is, it takes me a good 5, 10 minutes of anything that I watch before my mind is really fully settled down and engaged. And it's probably no different watching it live. I, I love the DVRs because you can go back and re-watch. The fr- now, what do they say again? because I wasn't focusing yet. I want to ask you to, if you're out there online watching this live right now, set down your stuff, fix your chair, whatever it is, and if you're here in-house, um, I need you to focus. This may be one of the most important messages that that I've taught since being here. Now, the Word of God is all important. It is all impactful, and it all... It all um, it'll all accomplish exactly what God wants it to accomplish. But maybe rather than important, I should say um, time-sensitive, urgent. Urgent maybe is a better word for that. This is an urgent message, and, and, I, and I need everybody to focus, maybe more so than, than sometimes we often do. We've been in the, in the series of Mark. We've been teaching our way through the Gospel of Mark, and we will pick that up and continue that, um, but... Not today. We're going to kind of start out there, but because it does apply. The Gospel of Mark, we've been teaching through that because it was written, the Gospel of Mark was written to people in Rome at a time where nothing was a given. Everything was upside down, everything was in turmoil. They didn't know if they were going to have a tomorrow. We talk about persecution the time in Rome that the Gospel of Mark was written to and the, and the audience that it was written to in Rome, they were going through some crazy stuff. They lived in a time of absolute uncertainty. And they were looking really, they had heard the Gospel of Christ. They had heard of the resurrection. They had heard of who Jesus was. And they had made a decision, we're going to follow Jesus. Okay, And so much like today, We've heard the gospel message, and we have decided, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to call myself a disciple of Christ, and I'm going to live that life that's honoring to him. And then something terrible happens in our lives. Okay, in, that, in their case, it was persecution from Emperor Nero, and it was horrible times for them. And they were in this place of going, okay, we've now decided to follow Christ. How does that help me today? How does that help me tomorrow? How does that help me when I leave this place and I walk out into the world? Nothing is certain. Everything's upside down. How is this going to help me? And so Mark writes his gospel in a very specific way to address the things that Jesus does. More specifically, the miracles that Jesus does. And he does that because that is a promise. The gospel of Mark is full of promises. Because we see the miracles that Jesus does. But then Jesus himself says, you're going to do more than this. So you think all these things that he's doing, resurrecting the dead and and healing people and doing all these miraculous things all out through his ministry, people are going, you mean we can have that very same power? That's this incredible promise that we find in the Gospel of Mark. Not only is Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, but his power the very power that he demonstrated here through the spirit we can have and that will help us stand up against anything that comes our way and so we have that joyful assurance if you will that we can have access to that very same power but along with that comes responsibility we see in the word we see in the world all the time people just say with great power becomes comes great responsibility, and this is no different. Paul actually says that with that power comes comes this call, and and Paul does this. He calls all believers for faith, um, but also in this sacrificial, cross-bearing kind of discipleship. And he actually describes it as true spiritual worship. True spiritual worship is this. And he goes on to explain all the things that encompass that. But in essence, it boils down to sacrifice for one another. And that's what we see Jesus modeling all over through his ministry. Jesus traveled the whole Galilee performing miracles, not just to heal the one. Now, every time he laid hands on and healed someone or performed any of his miracles, you can guarantee it meant a lot to that person right? If that that was you, it would sure mean a lot. But it wasn't just for the one. It was to illustrate a bigger picture and a bigger principle that through the power of the many, there would be even greater things that would be accomplished. And he says this, setting this example that we would all be empowered to carry on. He says this. This is from John. John 14, verse 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Imagine you're hearing him say this. You've seen him travel around and do all these miraculous things, and he's saying, when I go, you're going to do even more than this. Can you imagine? Like, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. It wasn't Pentecost yet. They didn't have all that, but they knew what Jesus was teaching, and they heard this, and like, how are we going to do because that was what was pretty cool, what you just did and all the things we witnessed you do, how are we going to do that? Jesus said this though, knowing that soon with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happened at Pentecost, that would empower them to spread the gospel, not just one person at a time, because remember during jesus 's ministry he 's the Son of God, he is all God, but he is also human and walking around doing the things that he did was a single point of contact. Maybe there were witnesses, for sure, but it was a single point of contact. And by multiplying that power throughout the body of believers, we could all collectively do so much more than Jesus could as he traveled around. And that's exactly what he's trying to get through. Now, Paul said that those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and call him Lord literally become one with him. And not just that, but one with each other. Paul taught that. Romans 12.5, he says this, So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. So once you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, you are no longer a free agent. You are no longer out there in the world doing your own thing. You are an integral, critical part of the body of believers in Jesus Christ. That's why you're called the body of Christ. It's all of us together. Members of the body of Christ, you, we are the physical representation of Jesus Christ here in this fallen world. Did you ever think about that? I am the representation, the church, who again is all of us, the body of believers together, the church is the vehicle through which Christ manifests himself to the world today. If that's not a responsibility, I don't know what is. Again, you're not a free agent out there doing your own thing. You are and always will be a part of the body of Christ and a representative of Jesus Christ in this world. You will always be that. So a lot of people then say the church is not a building. The church is not a building. The church is the people. I just said that. Okay, This building is not the church. You are the church. But I don't know where that noise is coming from, but we're just going to deal with it. You're right. If you say the church is not this building, you are absolutely right. But here's what this building is. This building and others like it all over the world are a fortress. They are a stronghold. They are the sovereign territory of God in enemy territory. Yes. We are the church. This building is an outpost of the kingdom of God. This is a place where believers gather together to support one another, to encourage one another, to be a part of of a body of bigger things than just one person alone. That is exactly what's being taught here. Jesus, in fact, told Peter, when they were together, he told Peter that the body of believers together would be able to stand up against anything that came their way. Not just individually, the body together. He says that in Matthew 16, verse 18. It says, and I also say to you, this is Jesus speaking to Peter. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, that's a whole scripture we could teach on another day, but the word church, upon this rock I will build my church, it's a Greek word, and it's ecclesia. and ecclesia, literally the definition is an assembly, a congregation, the whole body of believers Together, we are that, and on that, on the body of believers, Jesus says, on that, I will build. So one of the first things we see, if you know the story and other things that happen in between, but one of the first major things that Peter does is he establishes the church of Jerusalem. Church of Jerusalem, Scripture tells us, is huge, and he uses that as a base for teaching and sending missionaries. Preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, the very commandment that he was given. We see that in Acts 4.4. It says, but many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men, this is the Jerusalem church, came to be about 5,000. That's the first mega church anywhere in the world. 5,000 in the Jerusalem church. It's huge, and that's in response to Jesus telling him, we need to go forth And we need to make disciples of all nations, spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And let's build a church, not church body of believers. Let's build a place where they can come and get encouraged and get their marching orders, get their teaching, get their encouragement, and then go out and do what they're being called to do. Now, why do I tell you all this? Here's where, if you're going to fast forward in the message, here's where you want to fast forward to because I need your attention right now. I tell you all this, because this church, this particular building, Discover Community Church, is at risk. We are at risk right now, and it is going to take the entire body of believers who call this church home to overcome. And I know that we can do it, because God is so faithful. But hear me in this. This church is at a crossroads right now. We are at a crossroads, and the things that we do today, right now, the decisions that we make today and then the next few days following will determine the path that this church takes. It'll determine our future and our ability to continue and shine the light of the gospel of Jesus in our community, in the world, and beyond. So I come to you today in both humility and repentance. Humility because we are so far beyond what I can figure out. I don't know about any of you, but I was raised to just figure it out. I was told, don't ask for help, figure it out. Whatever it is, figure out how to do it and do it. Don't complain about it, don't. Ask questions. Just do it. If you're hurt, rub some dirt in it, and move on. Anybody else? That's how I was raised. And so, as a pastor of a church, I'm supposed to help encourage others to see their place in the body and use those. And yet, the way I was raised, down to my very core, is just do it yourself. We're so beyond what I can figure out how to do myself. We're in a position right now that I don't know how to navigate, but I know that God does, and I know that God is faithful. The repentance part of that, I repent to you for not teaching the whole counsel of God. That's my job as a pastor is to teach the entire counsel of God. And there is a major segment of the counsel of God throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament and New, that I through this prideful spirit of self-reliance, I have neglected that. And I repent in front of this church for doing that or for not doing that. See, as much as I felt led and I still feel led to preach the word of God, preach the Bible, that is our number one. That is our authority and that is what we preach from. And that's, that's the burden that I have on my heart. But I have neglected a major part of what Scripture says. And right now, that neglect is bearing fruit. And it's not the kind of fruit that you want. It's not the kind of fruit that I want. See, at DCC, from the very beginning, we have minimized teaching about finances. We have minimized to the point of neglect teaching about what God says, what the Bible says about finances. And in fact, in my own personal pridefulness, I have often scoffed at or rolled my eyes every time a pastor starts teaching about giving. They all pull out the scripture about Malachi, which most of us can quote. We've all heard it, and I always go, here we go again. And some of you may be doing the same thing. But it is so much an integral part of, of the full counsel of God, and I have neglected that. I even admit that as a pastor myself, I would sometimes roll my eyes when that happened. I have always believed, always from the very first moment, I believe that God is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He would provide. Just preach the word and he will provide. That's been what's been in my heart and that's what I have believed from the moment. He will provide finances. He'll provide people to engage. He'll provide people to come and join this body. He'll give you the very words to preach. And I've seen that happen in God's faithfulness. Trust in him alone, and you and your church, this precious church, will be blessed. Plus, talking about giving is just plain uncomfortable for everybody, is it not? It is, and why is that? I think if, it's, if there's any discomfort, it's because I've overlooked my responsibility to teach on it properly. Jesus taught extensively on the subject of money, extensively in the New Testament. But also, God uses people to accomplish his will. I have never once gone, to the, gone over to the mailbox, opened it up, and there's a check that's signed from God. God uses his people to accomplish his will, and there is so much mistrust, misunderstanding, and discomfort when we start talking about giving to the church. I know that there are people out there who, uh, they're right, even right now, they're starting to tune out. Here we go again. Please don't do that. It's too, it's too critical for us. Any discomfort on teaching on this subject is because the biblical principles are not well understood. And if they're not well understood, that's on me. And as a result of my failure to teach about finances, coupled with a perfect storm worldwide that many of you are familiar with in your own lives, we are facing, DCC is facing a serious financial crisis serious. And if God's people don't respond in a miraculous way, we may soon join that unfortunately long list of churches that have had to close their doors to the vision that God gave them. Scripture tells us that without a vision, people will struggle. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen: where there is no vision, the people perish. We need a vision to see. And if we have a vision, if we have a target, if we have a target, we're going to hit it. But if we don't know what that is, we don't have a vision, what do we do? We see it time and time again in Scripture. Without a clear target, people will stray. And you have to constantly remind everyone of what our goal is. Why are we here? What's our target? And that's on me as your pastor to make sure that's clear, and I have not done that well. So in order to have a clear vision for the future going forward, I promise to preach the whole counsel of God. But we can't do it all today. But I promise you that I will in the future. But in order to have that clear vision, we need to know where we are now. So in full transparency, and again, in humility, this is not easy. In all humility, I want to tell you where we are now. Discover Community Church currently has enough in the bank to last us till the end of this month. And that's it. Beyond that point, there's not enough to continue. Now I have confidence that God is good and God is faithful and if you are in God's will then he will provide. And I believe that we are in his will. We haven't done anything to stray from that. There's no improprieties. There's nothing. I can stand before God and say, we have done our best. But he has to come through in a big way and he does that through his people. Now, here's why we're in that position. Because you've got to be, if you're listening to me, you're asking questions right now. Here's why we're in that position. During 2020, 2020, was a critical, we all know how bad 2020 is worldwide, but it also coincided with a critical momentum building and solidifying year in the life of this church. When you establish a new church, there's a life cycle. You start out, first year, everybody's excited. Second year, some people are, some people aren't. New people are coming in. And that third year is where really where things get solidified and you really, this is who we are and we're solid now and you gain that traction and then you move forward. In that year, COVID-19 arrived. It's a visitor I didn't want. And with it, increased costs. Now you might think, well, how, if nobody's meeting in the church, how can that possibly cost more? It cost more in many, many ways. Cleaning and sanitizing supplies. In between every service that we had, we had to sanitize the sanctuary. The building was never more clean and sanitary during that year than any other time, but it costs money to do that. And so the costs went up. Our food pantry outreach, our food pantry was utilized more in 2020 than any other time before or since. People needed, people were losing jobs, people needed that kind of security, and we were able to to provide it through God's grace. The inreach need, meaning supporting people financially here in our own body, that went through the roof. People lost jobs. People had times of, of, of cutbacks and other uncertainty, and we were able to step up and help. Video streaming. Our video streaming capability is something that costs more, but we had to do that. There were times when nobody could be here. And in order to continue to preach the word of God and get it out to to the world that needs it, we had to install video equipment. That cost, not only the capital cost of buying it, but there is a monthly cost that's associated with that. Cost of living went up. Rent, utilities, just like at your house. That continues to go up here. We lost many, many volunteers because when people couldn't even come, We didn't need volunteers, so we said, stay home, we'll let you know. But then people, not just our volunteers, but everybody, starts getting in the habit of just staying home. And all of a sudden, you become desensitized to the fact that you're missing community. It doesn't even register that you're missing something. It just doesn't feel right, but you don't know what that thing is. And many people, this is the critical thing, many, many people, because of worldwide uncertainty, either decreased or quit giving financially to this church. Now, there are people who still say it's our, it's their home. This is my church. This is my body. But times are tight. Things are uncertain. Maybe I lost my job. I'm in transition. So I'm going to suspend or reduce my giving to the church. And that has not regained. Now, hear me in this. Some of you who came from bigger denominational churches may think, well, why doesn't the home church just support you through this time? Why doesn't the home office at some place write a check? That We are not associated with the denomination. We are not financially backed by a sending church, okay? In fact, just the opposite. Our reserves at Discover have always been like manna from heaven, It has always been, and this is what my belief has always been, God will give us what we need to make it to the next day, the next week, the next month. And he always has. He has always been faithful. But again, he uses people to make that happen. So we've never had a bank account with six digits in it. We have never had that kind of a reserve beyond maybe a month or two. That's been it. And God has always, always made a way. When we opened our doors, in fact... When, discover, when, when we first were even told that we had the possibility of a church. Those of you who don't know, I'll do the short version. We are a part of, of uh, Jubilee Fellowship Church. Pastor John came to us and said, hey, we are at a time where we're going to eliminate our campus churches. Again, it was for financial reasons then. And he said, do you want to just close the doors and it'll just cease to be? Or do you want to take it over? Do you want to take it over? And so from that moment where he gave us that charge to pray about this and see, Gabe and I went home, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we were given clear and immediate word from God, yes. Yes, you are to take that over. You are to continue, but it's not going to look like your parent church did. You are going to serve under a fresh vision and a fresh mission, and he gave that to us. From that time to when we started was four months. We didn't have that several month or year long ramp up period where you build a a reserve in the bank and and you get everything ready and then you launch with great fanfare. Our launch, some of you were here for our launch. Our launch happened at midnight on December 31st where we flipped the sign from Jubilee Fellowship to Discover Community. Literally happened at that time. So we didn't have this big ramp up, and we honored our parent church. We honored Jubilee Fellowship right up until that moment. So every every tithe, everything that was given into the church up until that moment went to them because that was theirs. So we started from literally nothing, and we were blessed with a beautiful building. But financial reserves didn't have them. Now let me tell you what our current financial situation is. We have a slide. Again, this is transparency that I don't know, that you often get, but this this is us. In 2019, our total giving was about 382 thousand. That's about 31 thousand per month average. Okay, almost 32 thousand per month average. In 2020, our total giving was 34 thousand or 348 thousand. That's about a twenty nine thousand dollar per month average. That's almost $3,000 a month different right there. In 2021, year to date, we're averaging about $28,600. Okay, that's projected at the end of the year to be about $40,000 less than we have budgeted for. See, we set our budget like anyone else, but we set it when we started to gain some traction. In fact, our hope was we're gonna do even better next year. But let's set our budget right there so we did that. That $40,000 shortfall, we have never even had that much in the bank. That's never even been our reserves. But we have always made it. But we are at the point now where we don't have enough for another month. Those reserves each month have slowly gotten less and less. And I have always trusted in God. I have always prayed about it and God said, I got you. I got you. It's okay. And then I start seeing things like COVID restrictions are being released. You people start coming back in the building. The life is returning. Things are great. The sun will come out tomorrow. All these things are fantastic. But the giving did not return along with the people. And so the natural question you might have is why didn't we see this coming sooner? Again, if you're if you're good stewards of your own money, you're thinking Why didn't we have a little more notice than one month before this happened? Part of that was me just being so trusting and just saying, I know God will come through. And that hasn't changed. I still know and believe in my heart that God will come through. But this is my part, and you have a part to play in that as well. Another thing, though, when we first started this church, I was our first accountant. If you know me at all, at all, you know accounting is not who I am. But me and QuickBooks were really good friends. I learned as best I could how to do that and I was doing the best that I could, but I didn't know what I didn't know in terms of forecasting and those sorts of things. Once we realized, hey, we need somebody who knows this better to help us budget so that we can forecast and see where we're going and and navigate this correctly, we hired a professional accountant. A professional accountant who in retrospect, was not particularly experienced in church-specific finances. There are a lot of dynamics that are different from a business to a church. And those things were just not necessarily um, where her forte was. Once we realized that that was an issue, we needed more clarity in our situation. We needed to know exactly where we are. We hired a professional church accounting firm, which we we still have. But it's taken months to get from my jumbled accounting method to a second accounting method that started to make some sense, and then to now an entire another accounting method, which we're hoping is really given us a clear picture. And it's taken months to be able to get to the point to where now we can see a trend. And by the time we saw that trend, okay, the headlights in the tunnel were already coming right at us. And that's on me. I should have known that. I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. Now here we are. When Gabe and I first received the orders from God to start this church, we prayed about it and immediately got a clear vision. There was never a question. If you know Gabe at all, anything less than a certainty is not her comfort zone. But she said, I know that God wants us to do this. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how. We don't know... We don't know anything about what we're doing, but I trust that we heard this from God. We received a clear vision, and along with that vision, we received a challenge. And let me share that with you. The vision, first of all, for those of you who don't know our vision, it's on a poster out by the drinking fountains, but this is our vision. Discover Community Church will, as evidenced by local outreach and involvement, make our God given gifts and resources available to welcome and transform the surrounding community into the new and abundant life that Jesus promises for them. That was our vision. That still is our vision. That's who we are. But along with that vision came a question. Now remember this question came at a time when we were praying about do we or don't we? Should we or shouldn't we? And the question that we were posed with was this. And God spoke this to me as clearly as you and I are speaking. If the church were to close its doors and disappear tomorrow, would anyone know and would anyone care? That was the question that God posed to me. And I'll tell you what, at the time, it was something that I had to think about. If we just say, nah, no, this is not where we're being called. We're just closed, and this will revert to, to an office or something. Would anyone know? Would anyone care? That was a hard question to ask, but I want you to be the judge. Let me give you a very short list. It's not comprehensive, but just think about this. In, during the times of COVID-19, 2019, or 2020, first half, first three quarters of 21, we were able to reach out to our community in the following way, and I believe make a difference. Our food pantry, Some of you have seen our food pantry, and you might on the weekend just see, okay, there's one, two, sometimes none, three, four, half a dozen people who come and utilize the food pantry. But did you know that on an average month, we serve about 70 families? 70 families. That comprises about 300 people or about, I'm not good at math, but 3,600 people for a year. And that is done partially through in-house here, but that's also done through an outreach that we have. Some of you know Ama. She ministers to a refugee community, and your faithfulness and this church backing her and supplying her needs in that can then pay that forward, and we serve that many people every month. We also provide a home base for the Led by the Spirit school. We provide space for the Hope and Home Foster Family Support Group, Foster Family Support Group to meet. James Resource Network, uh, we let them have their Christmas tea here. Um, They didn't in 2020 because nobody did, but that's an organization to support single-parent families. Operation Christmas Child uh, provides Christmas gifts in the name of Jesus worldwide. How many did you say? Uh, About eight this year. Compassion. Oh, yeah, Operation Christmas Child. Sorry, I'm getting my things separated compassion compassion international of which we had compassion weekend last week sponsoring children worldwide to help them get out of poverty and spread the love of Christ throughout the world now how many we had eight, last week. eight last week but then collectively like last couple That's years 30. about 30 30 children worldwide have have been sponsored by people just from this church angel tree providing christmas gifts to at-risk children of prison inmates. Classical Conversations, it's a homeschool support group. We, we provide them with space here one, one day a week, every week, to have their, their support groups and have their, their weekly meetings. We provide rescue bags, those little tiny little bags out by the front door, about 30 a month go out, about 30 a month of, of those. That's 360 a year. JFC, our, our parent church, the one that launched us out, they are in the middle of a transition building-wise, and so we're offering our space to them at no charge to have their, um, their Friday women's studies meetings. So every Friday here, this church is full of, of people from that church. This, uh, Denver Strait School, uh, financing and volunteer support uh, for at-risk youth, uh, a school that they have for them, and victims of sex trafficking. We did our chaplain box outreach last year for the chaplains at hospitals that were struggling and just what a terrible time to be a chaplain at a hospital. And we were able to bless them with those boxes. We do in-reach. We do financial assistance here, volunteer support for those who are in need. We do manna meals, providing meals for people during a time of, of critical help that they need. Ongoing foreign mission. We've supported foreign missionaries Since the beginning of this church. And we still continue to do that. And then last but not least, faithfully teaching the Word of God. And we will never stop doing that. We're going to share testimonies in a few minutes. If you if you have a way where you're like, I know another way that this church has blessed me or blessed my family, we're going to share testimonies a little bit in the end. So be thinking about that if you have it. But the question then, what needs to be done? In the scripture, people perish for lack of knowledge. We need to do some very specific things. So I want to be clear with you. Here's what it looks like. Number one, what needs to be done? We need to decrease spending, just like you at your house. To be faithful stewards of what you have, you would decrease spending if necessary. And so a couple things are in the midst of happening with more in the works. Number one, we have suspended our live stream, uh, the production part of it. So you can still catch it online. If you're out there watching online, that won't go away. But the production part of it, there's a monthly cost that goes along with that. And so we're suspending that part for the time being. We're trimming fat from the budget wherever we can find it. We're looking and we're just doing the, the things that we can. Gabe and I are considering deferring our salary to help the church get through this, through this hump. Staff pay. That is a last resort because our staff our paid staff that we have is this is a blessing for them. And I want that blessing to continue. It should never be a burden that they have to bear. So what do we need to do? We need to increase our operating fund immediately. And we need to quickly rebuild our reserves. And when I say quickly, I don't mean let's let's pray about it maybe next week, next month, by the end of the year, Christmas, maybe. I mean, it has to happen now. We need to pray about that now. Our short-term goal, again, here's, here's the vision. Here's the target. People respond in faith entirely when they have a target. Our short-term goal is two months of operating budget, which is $63,750. Now, I know there's, there are people out there who could just write that check. I don't know that any of them go to our church. And if God wants to bless us with that, yes, Lord, we will take that. But here's what I know. We are the body of Christ. And if everyone contributes what they can, God will provide. God will make it happen. He will multiply it. That's our short-term goal. It's a burden that we all should bear together. No one person needs to give to the point to where now they're broke. But we should all give what God puts in our hearts. So that's our short term goal, $63,750. Our long term goal, because I'm not saying let's hunker down and let's just do nothing and hope the storm blows over. Okay, the way to be effective is to take new ground, is to push forward. So we're going to continue thinking about either buying this building or buying another building. We're looking for a permanent home base. We're going to expand our outreach capability, bigger food pantry services. We want to do that. We want to provide more opportunities for short-term and long-term missionaries, mission trips that we want to do, both domestic and foreign. That's our job, and that's our call, is to spread the gospel in our backyard first, but then throughout the world, as all Christians are called to do, to, comp- to accomplish that goal, our first one, our short-term goal. That's our, that's our near target. To accomplish that, we need you to prayerfully consider a one-time offering today. Today, tomorrow, figure a speech, but it's not someday. Now, I want to put a note here. Anytime you say the word tithe, a lot of people will immediately go, well, I don't believe in tithe. I believe that's an Old Testament concept, Uh, on and on and on. We can teach about that, and we will. Part of my promise, I'll make sure that we all have a solid understanding of what that is. But essentially, a tithe is an amount of your income, whatever God puts on your heart, that you faithfully give on a regular basis, whether it's weekly or monthly, however that is. An offering is different. An an offering is something that God puts on your heart for a specific time and a specific purpose. That's what I'm asking for. If you just say, okay, well, I'm going to give a whole bunch right now, and then that'll, that'll relieve me of that burden of my monthly tithe, we're going to be back in this very same place. An offering is an offering. Your tithe is something that we give out of faith, knowing that God is our provider, and we do that on a monthly basis. It can't replace the other. We need that tithe to continue. Now, if you're one of those faithful tithers And by the way, anybody know who Dave Ramsey is? Dave Ramsey kind of considered a financial expert, right? He says, let me read it to you. 75 to 90% of those who go to church do not tithe. 75 to 90%. I happen to feel that our people are much more faithful than that, but it's still well over half. Well over half that attend or call this their home church don't give to it. And that has to change, people. If we're going to continue to survive, that needs to change. If you do give regularly, and thank you, Jesus. If you're one of those people who is faithful and you give regularly to the church, I thank the Lord for you. I thank the Lord for his faithfulness in his people. Because that has allowed us to continue. That has allowed us to get to this point. But there are people who don't give. And, and the burden should not be borne by those people who faithfully give. It should be borne by all of us together. And I need that. So if you give regularly, consider. At least pray about maybe, maybe we increase that a little bit. That's between you and the Lord. But I want to ask you, in a few minutes we're going to pray together. And we're going to ask the Lord. I want you to be bold enough and honest enough to ask the Lord, how should I give? How much should I give? Is there a one-time offering that I can do? If I'm not giving at all, should I start now? I'm telling you, Scripture says yes. But that's between you and the Lord. The Holy Spirit will lead you. And when the Holy Spirit leads you, you have a choice to obey or don't obey. It's really that clear. You can say, times are tight, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going to get anything, I don't know, I've got rent due next month, I've got this, I've got that going on, like everybody does, and so even though I know that the Lord told me to give a gift, I just don't know, so I'm not going to. That's your choice. Or, here's that scripture from Malachi that you're familiar with, Malachi 3.10, it says, put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Who wants that? Anybody? Does anybody want the windows of heaven to open up and a blessing to pour out to you till it overflows? I want that. This is not a give to get, by the way. This is not, if I write a big check to the church, I'm going to see that replaced tomorrow. I can tell you that it does happen, but that's not why we would give. We would give because the Lord says it's the right thing to do. Now, if that scripture is too Old Testament for you, let me share a new one. This is what the Apostle Paul says, Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Now, I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I want to teach more on that scripture. I can't now. But church, this is an exciting time. I know this isn't a fun message. Gabe has this this word Uh, process or document that when you put notes into it, it'll give you an emoji, a smiley face or a frowny face, like based on the overall tone that it estimates. When I was teaching through Job, it was all, (laughs) all through Job. (laughs) What was that? I was so happy the time that she called me and said, it didn't give the scared face. There's a whole lot of that going on out there right now. I know it. I know it. It's just, it's just awkward, but church, this is an exciting time. Why is it exciting right now? When I'm faced with looking like, hey, at the end of this month, we may not exist. It's because of that reason that it's exciting. We get to see, I can't do it in my own. We don't have some benefactor who I just know the check just hasn't cleared yet, but when it does, we're going to be fat and flush and happy. No, we have to, we get to rely on God. We get to rely on his faithfulness and we get to feel the blessing of what it's like to have the Holy Spirit speak to you, direct you and say, I'm gonna do that. I don't know how it works and it doesn't make sense, but I'm gonna do it because you said so, God. And we get to sit here and be on the front row as we watch his blessing pour in. And we get to be on the front row next week, next month, next year as we look back and say, Remember that rough time we went through? How awesome was it when God came through and not only saved us from that initial problem, but look where we are now. We are pushing forward and we are taking more ground for the kingdom of God. And we can together look back and say, this was the time when God began that process. But that process begins in your heart. And we have to be honest enough to pray and to respond. There's a pastor, his name is A.W. Tozier, And he said this about money. I know, in fact, I'm gonna ask him in a minute to put up the ways to give slide. And that can be something that just seems so out of place in church. Let's talk about money and giving in church. It sounds out of place, but he put it like this. Tozier said this, as base a thing as money often is, yet it can be transmuted into everlasting Treasure. It can be converted into food for the hungry and clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost men to the light of the gospel and thus transmute itself into heavenly values. Any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. Church, all I need from you is the honesty and the willingness to pray and to hear God's leading and then to be faithful to that leading. I want to take a moment. I know we're running a little bit late, but I appreciate your patience in this. I'm going to have Cameron come up here and just play a little bit, kind of some background music. And I want to hear some testimonies. If you have a testimony on how this church specifically has made a difference in your life, I'd like you to share that. I have some that I can read that came in online, but I want you to be bold enough to share your testimony. How has being a part of this body made a difference? Because I think so many of us fall into this thing where I just don't see it, so we don't know. As we do that, then I'll come up in the end and we'll pray together before we take communion. So is there anybody out there that has a testimony that they would like to share? Come on up. Let's see. Make sure. Okay. I'll leave it down low for you. <laughs>
1: Don't have the talls. Um, Jonathan and I, I'm Sonia, by the way. Um, we had the opportunity to see the transition from Jubilee to Discover happen. And we were nervous. We, we didn't know what to expect, but it ended up being such a beautiful, beautiful thing because church isn't always about sitting here on a Sunday morning. As much as we love, we're here all the time. And it's about, for us specifically, praying through our adoption process. Um, we had flown back from Ohio after a devastating um, opportunity for an adoption fell through I came reluctantly to the women's sleep overnight they all just gave me a big group hug and I cried with me they prayed with me we we did face masks and played silly games and that's what church is about it's about supporting somebody who has been through it all and now we have a beautiful beautiful baby boy who... Every Sunday is loved on so much here that I couldn't imagine a Sunday not having him be in this sanctuary, in this church. Bob and Gabe FaceTimed us while we were in the NICU with him in St. Louis. They were there when my mom passed away shortly after Bob gave her funeral. And it meant so much to us. And then they were there for his finalization hearing at our house. And it's those may seem like little things, but they're big. So it's just about showing up for each other. And let me tell you, DCC has showed up for us every single time. And they're still continuing to pray over Jasper. They're praying over my health issues. Jonathan has played drums here since we were Jubilee, and he, that's his way to worship, and he needs that to um, give back his talents that God has given him, so we love you guys, and we want to stay here with you.
2: My name is Kelly. Um, I've never given a testimony, ever. Um, I'm a recovering Baptist. Um, really. Um, this church means so much to me. Um, I, uh, my husband and I have been involved in a lot of churches. A lot of ministries, um, big ones, three thousand people, with a lot of flash and a lot of small groups and a, a lot of boxes to check. The kind of churches that you would leave and just go, wow, razzle dazzle. I just feel so good about my week, and then nothing, no relationship. They checked all the boxes and they talked about really comfortable things. There was never uncomfortable discussion and rarely ever um, the word. As a matter of fact, I have been involved in worship teams where worship leaders have been let go for opening the Bible at a seeker sensitive, huge church because scripture was read aloud. It's too much. My husband and I got really, really dismayed. We gave our time, our money, our effort, our talents, and we just kept feeling like, God, I just feel so empty here. Jesus is not here. But people come and learn five steps to financial freedom and six steps to stay out of infidelity. And there was just never any word. And Scott and I had a really uh, hard um, journey to a really dark place. And um, when we were coming out of that, we actually heard a podcast from that guy. And uh, he was not afraid to speak the word of God. He was not afraid to speak from the Bible. He was not afraid to say really hard things. And I my heart longed for that. Like, why has everything always gotta be so comfortable? And he kept speaking really hard things, and I said, I for the first time in 40 years, I have not heard the Bible preached like it's preached from this church. So we came to this weird church, and I saw people raise their hands and say hallelujah and speak in tongues and I was really uncomfortable and God changed my life here and he lets me know that um, there's more there's more than just small groups and donuts it's not a personality cult like a lot of big churches these these people here love Jesus Christ and preach Jesus Christ and I just want to thank you for bringing up hard things it takes a really brave person to stand on the word of God I just when I just heard a statistic from a friend the other day that said um People are willing to talk about their intimate lives with their significant other more than they're willing to talk about their finances. You guys, that's really messed up. And this church has also been a place where I can just come grumpy, unshowered, without brushing my teeth, which is what happened this morning. I didn't want to come. so I put a bunch of dry shampoo in my hair and I showed up and I sat in the back. Because I wanted to come here and let you know that I genuinely feel safe, loved, part. and like, I'm not getting lied to. And I'll, I want you to know that I'm your business. My marriage is your business. The way I run my life is your business. My words are your business. You are my family and this is our fortress. And I'm not going to survive without you. And my money is your business. And you're welcome to ask me about that, so I'm glad. It is your business. Thank you, Bob. Thank you,
0: Thank you. Instant service. My name is George, and this October I'll be 80 years old. And when I first started I'm in this church, I had nothing financially, and this church helped me out, and now I just have a big settlement from an accident two years ago, and I'm going to bless this church. I get a hundred
3: or a thousand dollars a month from Social Security,
0: but now this big deal is coming to me, and it's going to come right back to this church because This is my church, too.
4: Um, I literally would not have a home or a way to have survived without DCC. When I came here, it was the lowest point in my life. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I had no income, and my husband of 15 years left. And I had access to no money. I had no accounts. I'd had no access to paying bills. It was the greatest nightmare I could have ever imagined and something I would never have wished on my worst enemy. This church kept us alive. They fed us. They helped pay my mortgage. They helped pay for my son's um, books for school. They helped pay For my dog to have food and our guinea pig to have food. So literally without DCC, I don't know where we'd be. And I honestly feel for me spiritually, um, I likely would have given up because it seemed like too much and it was too big. But I'm telling you, I have seen miracles happen here. And this place is the real deal. It is the true embodiment of what God wants the church to be. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I probably will never see anything like it in my life again, but I hope I do. But I still struggle financially. Um, I'm working two jobs. I'm trying to make ends meet. And the church still, despite their difficulties, helped us. They have stood by Zane and I. They have made sure that we are not hungry, that we are not cold, and that we are not alone. So please, if you find it in your hearts and you have the ability to give to this church, please give to this church. It is a lifesaver for so many people. And I see so many new faces come into this church and find hope. It's not like anything you've ever known. So I just hope and pray that God abundantly blesses my life, that I may be able to pour back into this space. So
2: thank you guys.
5: Was caretaking for the last five years, until last fall, for my husband, and I remember when he passed. And of course, when you're a caretaker, it takes a lot out of you. You're sometimes you barely make it, (laughs) and I'm doing much better now. But after it was over, I remember feeling kind of lost about what to do, about a memorial service, things like this. And the church just took over for me. They provided everything. They they uh, gave me what I needed. We had a lovely memorial service I got through that time so beautifully. Now my hubby had always taken, he loved to take care of the finances, Was the thing that he did as the man. So the last year with all the busyness I've had, I didn't realize until just this last month I started thinking, am I remembering to do my tithes regularly? And I went back and looked in my checkbook and I'm like, I haven't tithed all year. (laughs) So I walked in today with my whole last 10 months' worth of ties right before we heard all this. (laughs) So maybe God is going to be working on others' hearts the same way. (laughs) Like, wake up, woman. (laughs) Yeah, get on it. Okay, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm right in the middle of a move. Pray for me that I would find another house and won't be... Camping in someone else's place across town for who knows how long. That God will provide that that other home to move in once I sell my house because I can't buy until I sell. But God, you know, He's He's behind everything. So, and I'm going home thinking, you know, not that I'm rich, but yes, I'm going to give a little more. And I think each one of us has to just search our hearts and see what we can do personally. And if mine is a smaller, maybe the widow's might enough widows' mites will make a difference along with those who have more and we can make this church go i don't want to see anything happen this church is special i've been in a lot of churches and each one had unique qualities but i'm here now because this church is very special i would hate to lose it
0: anybody else right now
6: I need a little higher. Um, So uh, first of all, thank you for opening it up to the church. Um, I think that's really special, and I think it's important that all of us do share, because if we don't, then we're just looking to him, and we can't do that. It must be all of us. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of blessings that I've been able to experience with this church, and I hope it encourages everyone as well. Uh, The first is a couple of years ago, the youth ministry, um, which I was able to help with Craig and Leah for a while, Connected with a couple of ministries and were able to rally together with parents' help and be able to go on a missions trip to the Philippines and deliver medical supplies for a ministry there that had no medical supplies at the time. And it was just such an incredible experience, not only for myself, but also for all the students that went there. I know it changed their lives radically. And even to this day, a lot of them are adults now going to college and other things. They will still mention to me how much of an impact it made on their life. We know it made an impact to the people in the Philippines because you know they had no medical supplies and they were literally saying thank you, thank you, thank you while they're getting these medical supplies. The nurses and that were using them going out, and um, that was just a beautiful thing that the church was able to do, and uh, uh, it was a, a pleasure to be a part of it as well. Uh, the other thing that was really amazing and just a testimony was just the ability for me to have my wedding here at the beginning of the year. Um, it was an incredible blessing, and it was especially an incredible blessing that Bob and Gabe just opened it up for us to be able to use. And um, even the streaming he mentioned was just incredible because at that time, that was you know it's in the middle of COVID. We had so many family members and friends that couldn't make it, and um, it was uh, it was it was a little tough. But what was amazing is we had a pretty good turnout here and it was holy spirit filled just incredible environment we had twice as many people stream in because of because of what they were able to provide for us and so it was just an incredible experience and we were, m- my wife and i were blessed so much and we hope that everyone else that came was blessed as well and so those are just two beautiful things that this church was able to provide and um i just wanted everyone to be able to know that and one other thing that i'm excited to hear is is Bob went through the list of things. There was some stuff on there I didn't know. So I encourage you, share more. Because I want to know. I want to know more about it. So thank you guys so much.
7: that my wife wanted to leave me, and I've been fighting for my marriage and my family for 12 months, and as you guys all know, they, they left about a month ago, and without all you guys, I don't know where I'd be. Bob and Gabriel have been great. Um... um Todd, Renee, there's so many people, and the men's group, um, we have this, what happens at men's group stays at men's group, and they've been a blessing too, the prayer, the, the help, the advice, um, we're all going through stuff, and, you know, men, if you're out there, you're struggling, I just recommend the men's group too, um, uh, a place to go, so, that's all I get. that place is great.
8: Up here all the time. (laughs) Uh, So, I just wanted to say a little bit more about tithing. Um, My father taught me to tithe. Um, So, it's just something that I've always done. Um, But if you're thinking, you know, I can't, um, I don't make that much money, start small. when I first started tithing, I think I was probably like 20 bucks a month. And you're thinking, well, does this do any good? Um, if you're thinking, wow, I, am not going to be the one that's going to give $63,000. You're not, but every, every little bit helps and God will bless you. Um, for me specifically, I've made it through three or four layoffs and, I'm smart enough to know it wasn't just on my talent. <laughs> I mean, I'm pr- I'm okay at my job, but I had people specifically reach out and grab me and say, we want this person as part of our organization. I know that's because God's being faithful over and over. Um, and has it been hard? Yes, there's been months where, I was telling Jonathan earlier, there was months where that last dollar is coming in just as my next check is coming in um, and, it, from $20 to where I'm at now, it hasn't, I, you know, I'm not going to be honest. I'll be honest. Uh, it hasn't necessarily gotten easier. Um, but God has been faithful over and over. Our family has never wanted. Um, we've always been blessed. Um, are we millionaires? No. Do we go on massive, lavish vacations? No, we do not. Uh, but God has always been faithful. And again, as Bob read the verse, if you just test him, he'll be faithful to you as well.
9: Um, I just I'll make this really quick, So if you want to ask me about it later, go ahead. First of all, um, when we became Discover Community Church, we had the choice, me and Craig, to go with Jubilee and stay with them. I didn't want to do that. I love all of them, but this is where I wanted to be. And I wanted to help this church launch. and I wanted to be with these kids. And this has been a great church. I love all of you. And when I worship up here, I'm worshiping because I want to sing with you. I want you to be here with me. I don't think people realize how much work Bob and Cape do on their own, trying to financially run the church and trying to keep it clean. We don't have, we're not a big church. We don't pay for professional cleaning. We don't we now have an accountant service, but you don't know how much Bob and Gabe have done on their own. And she used to work a job and had a really great income, but she didn't want to do that. She wants to serve you. And I see how hard she works. But we don't want to lose Bob and Gabe or this church. And you see how much it has blessed people. And Craig and I have been so blessed here. We are fiercely loyal people and we will not leave. I want you to know that. Second thing is, Craig and I, for years, we were like Todd. We just faithfully, faithfully, faithfully to church and there were years that it was just so hard and I would be jealous of what my sister-in-law's family made and the money that they had and You know, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, can you imagine what we could do with the X amount of money we give our church? People don't know in the family that we're giving a decent amount of money to the church. But I knew that that was a bad attitude because you know what? God has brought us to a really good place right now. We're really comfortable and we never lacked, my kids never lacked for food or shelter or anything and I know, I know that I know God was faithful all those years that we said tithing to the body, to the church was so much more important. And he was so faithful, so faithful to us. So I just want you to know, yes, it is hard. It is hard to let that go. But for those of you who are like, well, if I give, I don't ha- I need this or I need that. I need a car. Okay, tell us. That's another thing I want to say to our body. Tell us what you need. And then we, as a body, need to support each other. We'll find a way. Bonnie, Bonnie's going to need a place. Pray for her. You know, someone needs a car. We'll figure it out. People need food. We'll do that. Just let us know so we can all do this together. I love you guys.
3: good at public speaking, but uh, I felt like I needed to come and share something. Um, So the first time I came to this church, I actually spoke up front as well. Um, Not about the same topic, Um, but I knew that it was a special place from the beginning. I was going through, um, I had been working at a church previously, and we went through an extremely horrible church split. It was very traumatizing Um, at the time I was also going to a Bible study that was not affiliated with any church and it was what I found out was not biblical and so I was in a very interesting place spiritually Um, I hadn't gone to a church since the church split so it had been about a year Um, and I came here and it was like instantly family I met Leah and Craig almost, I think, the first or second week I was here. Bob came and talked to me. Gabe came and talked to me the first week. Um, I just, I made all these connections, and it just truly felt like family. And um, I think, for me, this was not only, it was a conviction that I felt like I needed to share. It's not guilt trip, it's, I have not been the most faithful giver when it comes to being financially providing back to the church that I feel like has given me such a family. And I think this was God saying to me, I, I know that you trust me, but do you trust me? And he's been asking me that for a very long time. And I've trusted him in majority of my life, but never fully with my finances. And so I think this was God's way of saying, do you trust me? Um, And so um, I don't really know what else to say. But um, it was just something I felt like I needed to share. Thank
0: you. Okay. Do you have one more? Okay. Bear with us, everybody. I know. It's important, but testimonies are amazing.
10: So I have a few interesting testimonies on finances. But the biggest thing is, uh, a little over a month ago, I got to take over Rice. It was just completely given over to me. And I've had to work through all the responsibilities, and the days have been very hard and a lot of work. But it's been the first time that I've been able to actually work a job since coming to America, and I saw something interesting two weeks ago. I decided I was going to give everything I made that week in as tithe. And the very next day, Monday morning, someone walks into the door and says, hey, man, I just want to bless you. By the end of that day, everything I had made in the previous week was given back. After three days, it had doubled, and by the end of the week, it had tripled. And now it's like, how much more can I give away? This is not just a blessing of, okay, I'm gonna multiply it once a week, but now I have more to give each day to anyone that I see and even into the church this place has been a blessing to me just to be able to grow through my immaturity to someone who can stand and really truly say my God provides
11: my name is Jackie Jacobson and I represent the community part of Discover Community Church. Um, the community is part of how my life has been, uh, coming here to this building, uh, which started, I think, in 2009-ish or so. Uh, so I was here when the building was brand new and then, uh, led by the Spirit School, Uh It was located over at Lone Tree, JFC. And so then we started using the room here, and we even used the sanctuary one time. We had a class of about 80. And so the community started coming to this church. Many, many churches have uh, been represented by the people who have come to the school, but also to the prophetic ministry night, uh, which we have an occasion every single month Uh, here in this building and so uh, for led by the spirit school this building has been an anchor and it's been home um uh, bob has commented that you know that i'm here more than a lot of people my car knows almost can drive itself down c470 to come right here at the right time and all that but um i've been greatly blessed to have a home for led by the spirit school and um it has been uh, even a greater blessing to get to know the congregation here and to become part of it. And that's a a great, great privilege uh, to not only know the, the building, but to know the people. And so to drag more people in, that's my idea.
12: So I've been coming here for four years now, and compared to other people that isn't very long, but that's most of my life, so. And the church I came, that that I went to before, they didn't have a place for me to go to, and I was too old for it, but they didn't really teach there, it was more of a daycare. But. When I came here, I was really happy. I actually started learning things about God. And um, it's been really good for me because I started here in Kids Church and I've been through a lot here. And it has helped me a lot. So,
13: So, how I came to this church, it's kind of a long story. My dad apparently was cheating on my mom, and when he left, we lost everything. Our money, our house was falling apart. Everything was just, it was a really hard time we went through. But we started looking to Jesus more because of that. So it was a blessing and a curse. Mom started looking for a church and we found it here. When we walked through this door, Mom was really nervous, I could tell. But we found out People here aren't going to judge us. They love God just like we do. And they came to this church in ways like we did. So I'm going to ask all of you out here to give something, even if it's something really small. Because this church is my church. And it's all of yours too. And I know that. Even if you're coming here for the first time, I want you to try. Because this church has helped us through so many things. And God will not let this church go down.
0: Zane is the next pastor of this church, by the way.
14: Hi, I'm Ashley Watikai, and um, I'm also a student from the Led by the Spirit Ministry. Hi, Jackie. And um, I was blessed to serve with the youth for nine months or a year, and also attend the Led by the Spirit School two, two, uh, two times. And I have three small children, and um, my, my son, uh, we moved to Colorado Springs three years ago. And my son still talks about Pastor Bob and Pastor Leah and Pastor Craig and um, he got to come in with the youth and um, watch them but I guess I just want to say that this church is phenomenal and the youth ministry phenomenal the teaching both on the pulpit and back in the youth room incredible and I've had a lot of youth ministry experience and I'm a student from Columbine and a survivor, and uh, I just want to affirm this church and all that it's doing and um, just the work you did in, in our lives, and we're, we're still giving to the church, and my son today, when we got here, he's, his dad gave him 50 bucks, and he says, I don't want to give five. I want to give 30 to this church, and that's a seven-year-old, and so just praising God for that, and there's a verse. Um it says uh, can I okay. uh, The verse I wanted to offer is uh, Luke 16:11. We are I'm putting it in a third person or for second person I'm not sure we are trustworthy about worldly wealth we are trustworthy with the true riches of heaven so I offer that first to to the church
0: I'm
7: going to try this again um, so about 13 months ago I found out that my wife wanted to leave me and um, Um, so the past 12 months I've been fighting for my marriage and for my family and as you guys know they they left a month ago and this church has rallied around me and Bob and Dave have been amazing Um, Terry Kelly name all sorts of people Um, just my church family and They've been amazing. Uh, The men's group, um, we go there, we support each other. Um, What happens there, it stays there. Um, I've been telling them for 12 months what's been going on and nothing's leaked out, nothing like that. So I wanna urge you, if you're in them, we're all struggling, we all have something. And men, if you're struggling, you're hurting, it's a great place to go and we can be there for each other but this place is special.
0: As I know, thank you for your boldness to come up and share that. I know we could go on and on. In fact, um, at the end of the last service, if you want to catch it online, you can go back and listen to some of the testimonies at the end, some some more beautiful. I love, I love the, the youth coming up and, and sharing what it means because it's so much more than just us and how it affects us. It is, it is generational. And I would love to go on and on, but there is a time when we have to, to end. So I want to pray. Would you just pray with me? But as we do this, let's pray for, for boldness to follow what we hear from God because we know he'll lead. Our job's to be bold and follow that. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, we thank you for everything that you have given us. Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider, Lord. You provide us a roof over our heads, breath in our lungs, blood in our veins, and you gave your son for us. You have sacrificed so much for us, for those of us who acknowledge that sacrifice and for those of us who don't. You just poured yourself out for us. So, Father, we thank you that you are a provider. We trust in you that you are a provider. And, Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people that have helped this church to grow and to be in the place that it is now. And, Lord, I pray now with faith and expectancy that you are going to move in a mighty way in your people. You are going to move in hearts in ways that maybe you never have before. And Father, help us. Help us to overcome our reservations. Help us to overcome the the lies of the enemy, the things that would make us fear obeying you, fear following what you tell us to do. Lord, give us the boldness and the assurance that no matter what we give, no matter what we do, if it is in obedience to what you tell us, God, you will bless that. And Lord, I have every faith and every confidence that you are going to continue to bless everyone who is here hearing my voice. You are gonna bless this church and you will bless us all individually. Father, I know that you will heal our land through our humility, through our repentance and through our obedience. Lord, I thank you for that and I praise you. I praise you here today for the amazing testimonies that we are going to have tomorrow and the day after that, and the day after that. God, you are mighty, and you are incredible, and you are so good to us. Father, speak to us. Help us to be a part of what you do in the kingdom. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to take communion right now. If any of you have to leave, I understand. We're going to serve communion at the crosses. We have juice up front here. Gabe and I have wine, and we will serve you. But let's celebrate the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And that's what we align ourselves in when we take communion. So let's do that. And if you need to be dismissed, you can, but the worship team will, pray on, will play on and we can pray and we can fellowship together. Amen.